KYW Original Podcasts. This is a Flashpoint Extra. I'm Flashpoint host, Cherry Gregg. Flashpoint is sponsored by the Gift of Life donor program, Organ Donors Save Lives. Register today at DonorsOne.org. Back in October of 2019, the Pennsylvania legislature passed Act 77 into law. What it does is it gives Pennsylvania voters several ways to vote if they choose to not go to the polls or are unable to get to the polls on Election Day. They can now do a mail-in ballot or an absentee ballot. You can get a mail-in ballot without excuses. Now, who knew months ago when this law went into effect that we would have a coronavirus crisis. So I got a chance to have a phone interview because, of course, we're practicing social distancing with the Pennsylvania Secretary of the Commonwealth, Kathy Bookbar. She is explaining how this new process will work just in the nick of time. Welcome to Flashpoint. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Right now, uh, there are efforts to put the Commonwealth's new mail-in ballot system in place. And it's actually the perfect time, given the coronavirus crisis. Could you tell us how it would work? I was already incredibly grateful to the legislature and the administration for passing Act 77 in the fall. But of course, we could never have anticipated how critical the new uh, additional tools that, that Pennsylvanians now have to vote how critical this would be um, at this time. And, uh, you know, and I, I've been spending a lot of time, frankly, also speaking with other secretaries of state in other states. And, you know, the ones who don't already have mail-in ballot options without excuses, it's, it's a big struggle. But Pennsylvania happily have this great op- option that was passed in uh, on October 31st was signed into law by the governor which allows uh, voters in Pennsylvania to vote by mail for any reason or no reason at all. So you no longer have to have an excuse. And it's not only that, but we implemented in Pennsylvania online um, application to do so. So I highly, I highly suggest anybody for any reason, whether you, it, whether it's because you're going to be out of town or whether it's because you don't want to go to the polling place or whether you just feel like being at home or need to be at home under the current circumstances, go online uh, to votespa.com and you'll see the link to apply for a mail-in ballot or an absentee ballot. And it leads you into the same uh, website. You go on, you enter your information. Um, It's super quick, very easy. And not only that, but I highly encourage you to enter your email address because if you enter your email address, you'll get a notification when your application is received, when it's approved, when the ballot is going in the mail to you, and after you submit your ballot when it's received. So you could do so much of this process from the comfort of your own home, and that's a huge advantage for Pennsylvanians. Yeah, and I guess one of the big concerns I think people have, so you, you, you fill this out, they send you this mail-in ballot. How does the Commonwealth make sure that the right person is mailing the ballot in and it's not a fraudulent situation? 
That's a great question. So when you enter your information online um, or when you do it, if you do it, if you don't have access online and you want to do it by paper, you still can. If you do it online, you put your driver's license number or your voter or your PennDOT ID, and it automatically does a check on your background, you know, your eligibility, um, that you're who eligible um, and who you say you are before they even send you the ballot. And then once you send in your ballot, election office does a check on your eligibility. You'll fill out, you'll have your information on the outside of the envelope. Of course, you have no identifying information on the ballot itself because we have ballot secrecy, of course. Um, they'll check the eligibility before it ever gets counted. And And anybody who's voting for the first time, if you're registering to vote for the first time, or even if you've moved and it's your first time um, voting, whether it's remote or in person, um, if it's your first time in that particular polling place, you also have to show ID. And so there's a lot of um, measures in place in Pennsylvania to make sure that voters are eligible before their votes are cast. Are there any concerns at all that, you know, someone gets a hold of your ballot or whatever and mails it in or anything like that to kind of verify that, you know, the person that actually um, was verified on one end is the person that has filled out the ballot on the other end? You know, there's really not. It's, um, there's, the, first of all, you know, again, if you've put in your PennDOT ID or your driver's license ID, it's doing a check on your address. So the ballot is going in the mail mm -hmm. to your address. So if somebody wanted to commit fraud, they would not only need to commit um, what I believe is probably a felony by um, stealing mail, fraud, yeah. mail mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But then mm -hmm. they also have to be able to mimic the person's signature because the election office is checking comparing the signature on yeah. your envelope to the signature on file. So there's really a lot of different layers in place. Everybody should be very reassured. The counties do an incredible job at making sure that eligibility is checked at the same time as providing these options so that voters do have that access. So it's, you know, it's really a great balance in Pennsylvania. Yeah, and we're about a month away currently from the date of the primary, although there are discussions about possibly moving uh, the primary back to June. If the primary were not moved because of this option, could it roll out? And and, and with so many Pennsylvanians, if, if many Pennsylvanians probably didn't anticipate it, chose that option. I've asked to get breaking news as soon as it happens. If, uh, if any bills move forward during this time, I understand that legislative caucuses are meeting as we speak. Um, so I'm very optimistic that the um, primary will be moved forward, uh, most likely to June 2nd. However, um, we're we're still, you know, the the um, vote by mail online options are still open. So you can still go on now today, regardless of whether the primary is going to be April 28th or June 2nd or another day. Doesn't matter. Go on. Um, you can request your mail-in ballot now, and it will apply to whatever new date there is um, or the same date as it currently is. To answer your question, um, you know, obviously the entire state is under a closure order, um, which I firmly support, and we've been advising the counties to not put their poll workers and election, off election offices at risk. So they're 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 doing what they need to do, which is protect the public health. 
the vote by mail should continue. I'm very optimistic we're going to move it forward to make sure that we can protect the election officials and the poll workers in the weeks leading up to Election Day. But again, the nice thing is that the voters have these options. And so don't wait. Go ahead and apply. You can do it any day, anytime, 24-7 to submit your application online. Yeah, yeah, that, I think, you know, that's is absolutely wonderful that Pennsylvania is doing this. And then the other question I have is, you know, there have been concerns. I understand that, um, you know, this virus doesn't necessarily, uh, it's, it's less risk with mail and things like that. But will there be things uh, put in place to, for the counting of the ballots uh, to keep folks safe um, in that regard? The bills that are being considered by the legislature, our preferred option would not only move primary to June 2nd, but would also provide a lot of um, accommodation to circumstances, both from the point of view of the counties and the voters. So, for example, um, like you mentioned, one of the things that we really want to do is make sure that we know that there's going to be an increase in mail-in ballots, and we want to give the counties the ability to start canvassing those ballots earlier and pre-canvassing those ballots earlier, because right now, most of what they can do can't start till 8 p.m. on election night. So there are there are things that they can do before election day, but it's limited. And so it means that if they have an increased volume and they can't start till 8 p.m. for the bulk of it, um, that there's there's it's going to be tough for them to get the, the counting done in time. So what we're what we've proposed is that there be some period of weeks in advance of Election Day, or at minimum days in advance of Election Day, where the challenges, if there are any challenges to any of the um, ballots, they can be heard, like they, you know, they used to do it, of course, in the precincts, but now everything's going to be done centrally. Um, we want to make sure that the counties can start, you know, opening the envelopes, checking the eligibility, and even scanning in advance of election night so that by the time election night comes, they'll have a much smaller volume of ballots to go through. Um, in addition, the other things that I'm really hoping that the legislature passes are allowances to more flexibility for counties to select polling places. Um, we know mm. that there's a lot of places like schools and senior centers and other other facilities that are particularly concerned about health care that are are already telling the counties they don't want to be polling places for this spring. And, of course, you know, we all understand that. So we need to give the counties more flexibility to to choose um, from other facilities to combine polling places into one location, um, again, just for this primary while we have the circumstances. So we've proposed that. We've also proposed to the legislature that they provide more options for counties in selecting poll workers because obviously there are also poll workers who are not wanting to to be in a public place at this time. So we're very hopeful that the, that the legislature will uh, move forward uh, advances on all these points um, to, to make it as easy as possible both for the counties. That's a good – I mean, those are some of the, the types of um, – um, changes and modifications that are being made in light of, of COVID-19. I mean, who knew, right? And uh, it seems like now, you know, Pennsylvania is on the cutting edge of this. I agree. Again, like, you know, it's, it's 
it's not something that you could ever prepare for, um, and yet you can, right? So the more options you have available and the more um, coop planning you do, continuity of operations planning, which is um, something that in Pennsylvania we've really been advancing over the last couple of years, is let's be prepared for for any circumstances. And frankly, when you look at, you know, as you know, over the last um, year and a half, Every one of the 67 counties in Pennsylvania has upgraded their voting systems, have voter verifiable paper ballot voting systems. And think if we were, you know, if we were dealing with um, DRE, you know, electronic machines only, their resiliency, their ability to deal with, um, you know, what happens if you, if you, if the, um, if there's a tornado that crosses the state, or if there's, uh, you know, power shutdowns or other reasons why you can't access the electronic votes, well, now we don't have that anymore because everything's on paper, so you know you have that backup, and that's just another example of how important preparing for the things that you can't prepare for is. Mm-hmm. Have other states reached out? I know that because this primary issue especially with COVID-19, is probably causing major problems in other states who haven't been as innovative as Pennsylvania and passed the mail-in, um, you know, ballot um, option for their citizens. Absolutely. So um, I, I've been in touch with other states literally every day, many times throughout the day, um, many of which is just sort of informally people reaching out to each other from different states to share share resources, I mean, comparing notes on, um, you know, licensing or other administrative regulations to make, you know, sharing drafts of, of, um, you know, regulatory actions being taken. And then in addition, um, I'm co-chair of the Elections Committee of the National Association Mm -hmm. of Secretaries of State, and we've moved to weekly calls of the whole committee uh, during this crisis so that we can make sure that we're all on the same page, we're helping each other. But that issue that you mentioned from the get-go um, about whether states already had in place the ability to vote by mail for any reason or no reason at all has been a huge point that we've been discussing tremendously. Um, and the states that have gone to all vote by mail, such as Washington State, you know, have been incredibly helpful at lending their knowledge and experience on how to best do that, both effectively, efficiently, and also to enable voter access has been incredibly helpful to all of us across the country. Yeah, yeah, that's good to know that there are some efficiencies being built in there. And um, that sort of leads to the other, because we, there has been a major shift because of COVID-19. I know that uh, I, you know, I have a Monday morning therapy session and we used to meet in person and now we're doing Zoom or FaceTime or whatever. Um, is is this the new, I mean, I know that for some other forms of healthcare, that may not have been the norm, but I understand that there have been some changes to, to make these exceptions so people can still get those services. Absolutely. And that's been a huge priority for us in Pennsylvania as well. And so, you know, the Department of State in Pennsylvania oversees 29 boards and commissions of, you know, hundreds, uh, somewhere in the range of 130 or 140 different professions and also facilities. And 
a huge percentage of our licensees in the state are medical licensees. But of course, um, all the the closing down of businesses and so forth, you know, also impacts other professionals as well. And so we've prioritized making it as easy as possible for particularly for medical practitioners to do their work. They are putting themselves out there on the front lines every day to, you know, not only treat patients directly, but also support their their colleagues who are treating patients directly. And so we wanted to reduce every administrative barrier we could, give extensions of time for completion of administrative requirements, extend telemedicine, as you describe, extend scope of practice, um, make it easier for reactivations for retirees who, are, who want to come help. There's so many different components of our um, prioritization of making sh- sure that Pennsylvanians have the healthcare professionals that they need. Um, to to get us out of this crisis. Yeah, it's so it's so and it's happening so fast. <laughs> so it's um and it just seemed like it was all of a sudden that we needed all these changes. So how's the, the Department of State had to be very nimble in this way and move very quickly um, as as all our services had to to move. It's probably been very busy for you. I can I can um, only assume and guess that it has been. I have to say, I have to just give a huge shout out to the the team at the Department of State, particularly the senior mm. leadership team. They have been, I mean, our entire team has been working nights, weekends. We've, we have, in terms of the licensure regulations, I, you know, I agree with you that the need for quick action has been, um, you know, this is already a very high-performing team that it's now kicked into a gear that I've never seen before. The There are meetings happening with policy and legal in conjunction with communications we've gotten from healthcare providers, from stakeholders who represent healthcare providers, from hospitals, from, you know, every uh, imaginable messenger you can imagine who's saying here's what we're seeing that are challenges what can you do to help so then legal and policy have to do research so they have calls earlier in the day develop proposals for um, regulatory um, suspensions or waivers that you know directly can help do the things that we talked about earlier reducing barriers extensions of time and so forth and then we have a daily call at 515 with me where they could talk me through what their recommendations are. We develop the proposals. The gov- they, they go over to the governor. Usually by the next morning, I have approvals if it's approved. And then they get issued. They need to be communicated to all the practitioners, to the public. Um, so it's been, it has been unbelievable how quickly every day we've been issuing, usually two to four changes impacting making it easier for practitioners to practice and provide the care to Pennsylvanians that's so desperately needed right now. Wow. Two to four changes. And I mean, that's a lot because, (laughs) you know, you have to, you have to, because there's always a domino effect, you know, and you have to kind of like think about consequences and go down the policy, you know, yellow brick road, so to speak, and try to think as far ahead as you can before you, you know, change one little building block in the whole stem. It's like you have to be very careful. So 
you know, lots of work to be done. And is there any other issues that the Department of State is working on that I didn't ask you about uh, that you think is important? In general, the, the reducing barriers and easing administrative um you know, extensions of time and so forth, I think we're looking at in in many corners of our practice. So, for example, we also oversee the Bureau of Charitable and Corporate um, the Organizations. And so um, one of the things that we just, you know, we've been talking about the last couple of days is, you know, we'll probably also be granting extensions of time for filing deadlines for businesses, right, and nonprofit organizations who, of course, are also shut down and also unable Mm -hmm. to, you know, most of their folks are teleworking if they're fortunate to have that remote capability. So we're looking at really making it easier for all Pennsylvanians, whether it's healthcare or your business, to have it be a little bit easier during this crisis so that we could all be doing what's most important, which is staying at home, staying safe, um, and taking care of ourselves. That's what's most important now, and we want all the rest of it to be as easy as possible. That's good. We have a lot uh, a lot happening. Um, I know it's been busy for us, busy for you. Everybody's working um, yeah. and those critical services so we can get everybody else back to work. And so I want to say thank you to you, Secretary of the Commonwealth, um, Kathy Bookbar, uh, for talking about these important issues. And, again, could you just tell people where, if they want to, you know, visit the Department of State website, possibly, you know, register for that mail-in ballot or check on any kind of um, deadlines that as they may be extended, where should they go? Everything is at dos.pa.gov. Thank you so much. To you, uh, Secretary of the Commonwealth, uh, Kathy Bookbar, I really appreciate you coming on Flashpoint and talking about these important issues in the news. Well, thank you so much for covering it and stay safe. This has been a Flashpoint Extra. Flashpoint is KYW News Radio's weekly public affairs show. It airs every weekend on 1060 a.m. on your radio dial. And it comes on at 9.30 p.m. on Saturdays and Sunday morning at 8.30. So you can subscribe to the Flashpoint Podcast for exclusive content like this extra. Until next time, I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. Thanks for listening.